Hey, gang, this is Dave Johnson. You are listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. It's not in the net. It's in your ear. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, off-season edition RFK Refugees Podcast. Uh, we, we got a, we got a good show for you today. There hasn't been a whole lot of news. This is going to be a heavy NWSL, uh, women's soccer show. Um, except for this part, John, did you watch the crazy Liga MX semifinal between Cruz Azul and, uh, and Pumas? I heard what happened. I did not watch it. You did not watch it. Well, no. you should have. You should have. And it was absolutely, uh, absolutely insane. In case you you already weren't aware, uh, they play a two-leg series. It, it almost made me wish back for the two-leg series. You were just MLS. talking about how much you love the single elimination. I, I, let, let me get in. Let me get in that. Let me get in that. So, but the game was amazing. Cruz Azul uh, up 4 nothing after the first leg. 99, apparently a 1% chance of Pumas leading according to uh, winning of coming back and winning that uh, by halftime it was 4-3 so it was very much of the play uh, Liga Max does a weird but maybe good system of the first tiebreaker being away goals and the second tiebreaker being seeding so Pumas was the higher seed they just need to score one goal they score one in the last minute um, absolutely insane game um, almost makes you do kind of wish for the for the two-legged series but what I will say is the rest of the Liga MX playoffs has not been nearly as exciting. Yes, there was that one great moment, but MLS has had, I'd say, about like three, four, or five great moments, like super drama, high drama type moments. Um, so I think that kind of like outweighs it a little bit. But it was still fun, and I, I really wish, I really wish there was a. Uh, a dedicated English language partner for Liga MX. Um, I'm actually, got, I'm toying with the idea of, of like a post on the RFK board about just how much money uh, I said on the RFK refugees blog about just how much money that uh, Liga MX is leaving on the table by not having a dedicated English language partner. Like if they were on ESPN plus you, you have such a soccer market that you're kind of like leaving untapped. And I know they get great ratings. They're, they're the most watched soccer league in the United States by far more than premier league, more than, um, more than Champions League, more than any of that, more people will sit down and watch Liga MX on a regular basis. So, they're, they're, but I think they're, I think they're leaving money on the table. Yeah, but here's the question: How many of those people who are tuning into that are Spanish as their first language? Oh, pro- probably, probably most, probably most. But I, I mean, so are probably most people tuning into Real Madrid or or uh, or Barcelona games on on CBS when they play in the Champions but League. But they'll like, watch because they're so good. They'll watch them out of out of out of language. I think that if there was money to be made for them, they are broadcasting MLS games where the where the ratings are like less than billiards in many cases. So if there was money to be made from them, I, I feel like they would do it. I enjoy well, when they I enjoy when they have the occasional game. I just it, there must be a reason that they're not in the habit of not. Well, the, the reasoning the reasoning is 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 actually they they run I think very much like uh, Liga Liga the Spanish league runs. Each team negotiates. Their own deal. So Chivas has a deal with NBC, and I've seen so those, games, I've seen those are, games on there occasionally. Yep, they're on NBC Sports Network, and they're on NBC. They don't have a unified, you know, they don't have a deal sum. like the like Premier League. I, I think some should buy. I think some should buy those English language rights. If if you want to get like we're all talking about a Liga MX, MLS, Super League coming together. You need to build some interest in, in in for English language fans in Liga MX teams. So I think you do that by buying those rights. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it needs to be on TV. I'm just saying you're telling me more people would sit down and watch Coventry City versus Leeds, or you know, that's a bad example because Leeds in the Premier League right now. But Coventry City versus Swansea versus like you know Club America Chivas. If you can snag those English language rights, I, I'm just saying. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, sure. Maybe the ratings wouldn't be great. But you used to be getting exposure, and you would you would tap into a potentially a new source of revenue, a new source of soccer fan. That, that's all I'm saying is I, I think they're I think they're just leaving money on the table that they I, could utilize. I think so. the, I, I think I read this week that there's a Liga MX uh, executive who, or maybe it was a club executive who resigned recently, specifically focused on trying to build this cross continental league. 
Yeah, and, I, and and I think at this point, I think we have to view it as an inevi- inevitability with rate how ratings are and, and how everything. And, I'm excited and, about that. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I think it would bring – it would push maybe the league into a more, hey, we need to spend more money. It would push owners. Um, maybe. Maybe it brings promotion relegation, but, you know, I would, I would temper conjured, my expectations. You just conjured the devil, I think. I just, con- I just did. I just did. You can see it right behind me. No, <laughs> it's not, probably not going to happen, but it was – it was. you got to start somewhere, and I think, I think it would be a fun – it would be something fun to be something interesting. The Champions League is not doing anything. I, I really wish – I really wish that MLS would say – MLS and League of Mexico say, you know what? We're done with the Champions League. You're doing nothing for us. Ugh. We are dumping all of our money into – You make me sad, Ted. And yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I feel like sorry that if anyone can hear that, that my, that's my dog, uh, my very old dog, um, in the background, pod dog. Uh, but I, I I just feel like the Champions League does does nothing for MLS. It's it's, it's the same place it has been. For yeah, because we haven't years. won. No we keep losing. That's why. There's no well. There's no growth. Even if even when MLS does, most teams have made the final, but we never win. Still, the ratings are bad. But we never win. We always lose. Fair enough. It got so close. The, so, so it's we're the Bills of the of the Concacaf League when there's only two major uh, leagues that are in it. I don't know. I lo- I love the concept of it. I would agree that the ratings obviously have been bad, but the ratings for MLS are also awful as well. So, I think they're. Yeah. I think the only thing that saves it is this is this Mexican uh, MLS hybrid or exponentially more spending, which is not going to happen, particularly coming off the back of the pandemic. So, well, I think the hybrid forces more spending because then you can get a better, you would get a better TV deal. I think you could force a better TV deal, especially on the Spanish language side for, for something like it this. En- it encourages more spending, but there's still going to be free riding teams that know that there's not going to, they're not going to go anywhere. So call the Colorado Rapids know that no matter what happens, even if they continue to have a median bench salary of X and, uh, uh, Club Tijuana has it X times fifty percent. They know that nothing really matters. So yeah, I get it. And for the teams that want to win, I think that's good. And, uh, but yeah. we still have the same problem we'll always have. But either way, better problem to have. But I think that it is inevitable. It's something to look forward to. Is something that's very likely going to happen. Very likely. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's shift gears. Let's talk about the big local team news of the day. Uh, the rumored, long rumored trade. Uh, and we'll get into maybe why this happened the way it did. Uh, the Spirit have acquired Kelly O'Hara. Uh, she is, a, as 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 some people pointed out, she is a, apparently a native of Georgia, uh, but she has apparently been in the D.C. area for a long time. Has lived here. wanted to wanted to come back here. She wanted to to come where she has lived for at least uh, at least a, a good portion of her adult life. So it's also where her uh, partner lives and works. Yeah. So uh, all that all that kind of playing into playing into to why she wanted to be here, which we, we've seen happen um, a lot with, with, with many teams. We saw Cindy LaRue get moved from KC to Orlando when Dom Dwyer got traded. So so this is nothing new. We see, uh, we've seen just recently Crystal Dunn move to Portland uh, because that her I think her husband works for the team. Um, so what you're but, saying is we should uh, sign Dom Dwyer as a reserve forward if we want to have uh, uh, Sydney LaRue come to the spirit as a forward. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? We should maybe. Maybe, Let's, maybe I'm saying that. That's, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. Hey, hey, Dom, I think Dom Dwyer could, could use a, a fresh. Uh, a I fresh think start. so too. And we need a we need a, another a bully slash villain on the team. Yeah, and if we're not going to spend money, you know, hey, why not? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's free agent. We'll see what happens in the free agent market. I could see. I could It'll, see a team, a more ambitious team, being like, hey, he's like a guy every, we can bring off the bench. Every free agent in this market is going to be cheap. You can. There's going to be. It's not like there's going to be a uh, you know a a recorded conversation between these owners, but there's going to be a. They're going to have their own private WhatsApp conversation. Like guys, let's keep these salaries down here. All, all these free agents. <laughs> let's figure a way to make them affordable quote yeah quote unquote. back 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 to the back to the point at hand uh uh all the big deal was like what is the what is the the cost so great trade what did we get or what in this case great trade what did it cost us yeah what, what did it cost us uh it did it didn't cost it, considering the caliber of player considering a number of factors didn't cost spirit that much 75k in alloc- 75k in allocation money and a potential first round pick however that comes with some stipulations of she must play at least half the games. Um, considering her recent track record, considering she is possibly going to potentially be a part of the maybe the U.S. Olympic team, uh, probably a pretty safe bet. Maybe they fall under that. I, I would I would hedge to bet. Maybe there are some like you know, hey, she's teetering towards that half. Let's let's keep her benched for a couple games, and you know, let's no. let's get through that. I don't think we'll do that. 
Now they'll do that? No, I, I don't, don't think that. so. I don't think they'll do that. I, that, is, that is that is some cynicism behavior. Yeah, cynicism. <laughs> so the 75K, just for reference, is 75% of what the spirit got from O.L. Rain for Rose Lavelle from a from an allocation money perspective. Keeping in mind that the spirit had a very diminished um, bargaining position when they were yeah. trading the rights of a player who was leaving uh, with no really certainty of when they would come back. Although... With if Lavelle keeps playing wing and also getting hurt, I don't know that she's going to stay in England that long. So they, O.L. Rain <laughs> might see her more uh, sooner than they maybe than we thought. But potentially, anyway. potentially, yeah. But I mean, that's I mean, I guess that's the nature of you have a player you're getting that's definitely going to play for you versus somebody who might or might not play for you depending on uh, depending on how things go. And but, honestly, um, and it is very cynical of me if I'm going to take my turn at the cynicism wheel, seeing her get injured already again in, in at Man City, you know. This was a week after her goal that you that you might have seen her 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 great goal she scored for the national team. She she does have an injury problem. Availability is the most important ability, and with the spirit, it wasn't on display. Uh, now, did we just trade Kelly O'Hara, who has a recent history very similar to that of Rose Lavelle? We did, but it's a different it's a different it's a different situation. It's a different cost. It's a different role in the team she's filling. Um, she definitely will. I think there's a there's a real benefit here of raising the profile of the team in the area of us WNT fans. Um, you know, you lost, you have players that are on the, on the squad. You have uh, Bledsoe, you have Sanchez of the future. You've got Sullivan, you've got hatch sort of players that are either on or in the periphery of the national team. Kelly O'Hara is a, a star of the team, even though again, like she's, she's uh, getting up there from an age perspective. She's still, She's still notable, and she still has a great following. So, if you're looking for a mar- uh, you know a marketing benefit to this move, there's definitely one. And let's not let's not forget. I think, and, and I was checking to see when this this signing happened, and I don't I don't think we've actually uh, they signed uh, Takarada, who is 20 years old, or I think she's like 21 years old. Sorry, uh, but she has scored uh, 44 goals in 110 appearances for her for her Japanese club. Uh, so they they I, I would argue that's even a more interesting move from a spirit perspective sure. than Kelly O'Hara. Oh, for sure. Um, I think it doesn't it doesn't move the needle from the fans' perspective, like the tickets, like O'Hara does. But for sure, I mean, unless unless uh, either Japan plays three hundred games a year or she's been playing since she was twelve for the senior team, uh, that's an impressive uh, scoring ratio for anybody. So for, yeah. you, you got to be excited for that, particularly as goal scoring is a problem for this team. Um, it has been uh, last year specifically. So. Um, I'd like to see where she plays. I don't, she doesn't seem like a big out-and-out striker. It might be a partner with uh, Hatch, potentially. We've got to mm-hmm. see how they line up. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, that I think that's that's at least shows that the team is, is hey, we're, we're, we're keeping, we're moving forward on the field. Um, we're, we're, you know, yes, we, we've lost Rose Lavelle. She's a big loss, but we, we feel like we can go out and get maybe a couple players that, can can still make a difference and, and help build this team and I mean if you look at uh, I mean you look at the the what the courage did yes they had um, they had Crystal Dunn they had a lot some very very good U.S. and international players but you look at the players who were actually playing week in and week out it wasn't those players it was the players who it was the a lot of the other internationals that sort of came together to make that team good. So I think the Spirit are trying something similar here. Yes, you still have Ashley Sanchez, you still have Ashley Hatch, uh, you still have uh, you still you have Yokoyama. You have a lot of great talent in there that you can sort of build around. So I, I'm excited. I'm even even with the especially with the addition of Kelly O'Hara, I am now very very excited to watch the Spirit next year. I think I've I've gotten over the the uh, the downer of losing Rose Lavelle. Um, I think we've all kind of. Yeah, escape that. I'm in the did not. I think I'm in the bargaining stage. I've, I'm already sort of been like, well, I mean, she was hurt all the time, so who cares? <laughs> Whatever. I um, mean, she's still a talent. She's still a talent to lose. Sure. I don't, we don't. We don't want to mitigate that, but for sure. Yeah, I, I think also too. One question I was having. I think I was having the discussion on Twitter uh, with uh, with Jason Anderson from Black and Red uh, about what this means from a positional perspective and sort of where Tori Huster lines up. Was playing right back last year. Apparently, again. I'm a new spirit fan. I can't, I will not, I make no bones about it. And it'll be obvious from anything I ever say about the team. Uh, but before her sort of recent turn at right back, she was a defensive midfielder. So what this does, this move enables her, the, I think it enables both of them to sort of spell each other and to not get too, 
um, taxed as, as they're as they're going up there in in their seniority. But particularly as Sul- I think I think Andy Sullivan's going to be ready to play. So mm-hmm. originally I was thinking, great, Tory can can slot in a defensive midfielder. But I think really now it's just going to be more depth and more position. She just signed a two year contract. I think with an option for yet another year. So she is she's an OG Washington. I, what were they before they were the Spirit? Was she was she on that team? Was she a Washington Freedom player? Potentially. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know how old she is. I don't know if she's that quite that old. But any, anyway, another thing I think to point out too is that uh, Richie Burke said this week uh, they're not done. They'd like to add another attacking piece, maybe an attacking midfield piece, and more support in the central defensive area. Um, I think there's talking about potentially changing up. Uh, formation. So I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of games this year. I think something with the uh, Challenge Cup, I think it's like 33 games or 34 games uh, throughout the season, which is crazy. Um, but I'm excited to see. We we got kind of hosed with uh, COVID this year from a spirit perspective. We got uh, you, we got the, the, the Challenge Cup, which was awesome. We loved it. And then we got this fall series. Um, but we never really got to see this team sort of mature over the course of a season uh, depth pieces getting an opportunity to really shine. Um, so now we will, and it's I'm excited about it. I, I think that particularly as they continue to add players uh, and we get these players who had uh, great tournaments with an opportunity to really show themselves, Bailey Feist is my player to watch again this season, and Ashley Sanchez, I want to see her take, take another step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, this, team is, it's, this team is cool and fun, and you got to be watching them because I think – I think that they'll probably be, you know, controlling for league league differences, probably more exciting than DC United for this upcoming year, barring barring some major moves from DC United that we don't imagine could happen from a salary perspective. And and we'll talk we'll talk DC United later about the the news. Maybe we'll get into a little bit in this segment before we are we are having Mark Fishkin on from Seeing Red. And if you're wondering why we're having someone from a rival podcast in the off season when they're not playing the Ribbles, it's that well the apparent leader. Uh, for the DC race, used to coach there, so it'd be interesting to get. I, I, he, Mark is a great guy. I'm sure he will give us a. Le- he will not give us a troll. Oh yeah, yeah. Armus is great. Definitely hire him. He'll he'll give us a level headed uh, approach. At least that's what we're counting on. I'll make that clear in the beginning to him. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's 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 talk about the uh, let's talk about the sort of the news as to why maybe the spirit got off a little bit on the cheap end uh, for for Kelly O'Hara. Uh, that was the news that dropped. I think pretty close, almost like a few days after. Um, the, the, the announcement of the Kelly O'Hara trade, the Utah Royals are moving to Kansas city. So I think they, I think Kansas city contracted and then Utah expanded. So it was kind of like, and now it's like flipping back. It's, it's all, it's all weird. Um, there was news that was dropped that apparently there, they NWSL is going to look now again, things have to come together, but, but maybe it seems like based on it before it would look like they were just moving you know it's just the nature of, of forcing um uh delay hansen out of out of the ownership which they should have done it, it absolutely needed to happen it stinks that people who live in utah who who supported this team who who went to watch this team um are now not going to have a team to support uh but but D, uh, delay hansen needed to go uh, there was just no other no other way around it when, when some of those stories were were coming out um so the group apparently is moving the team back to KC. They're not affiliated with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, apparently, they will. There's there's been a lot of frostiness amongst the Kansas City ownership in allowing uh, the women's team to use Sporting Park, which is uh, unbelievably stupid in my opinion. I, I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand the drawbacks or other than maybe the field, which okay, sure, whatever. But I mean, obviously, Sporting KC would still get first priority. It's not the first time a soccer league has had to work around not being the first priority. MLS did it for like the first like decade of their existence. Also, is know. Kansas City the only franchise in the universe that would not like more money? Yeah. <laughs> like, are they the first yeah. one that are like, no, we're good. We have enough money. Thank you. No more. We're good. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, you get the money from rent. There's crossover ability. There's, you know, there's, there's so many options you can do that. And it just, it just, it makes sense. You have a there is a market. People who support the women's Kansas City team are probably going to support KC and vice versa. There's no like choosing if sands or buts. You know, you have a chance to add extra weekends to your stadium, which is when you know when public money goes into these stadiums, which almost all the time they do. They want events. Um, it really, we can criticize the DCFO, and and there certainly were some. I'm sure some event stipulations that led to this. Um, but you know the 
how much the city requires a certain number of events and everything um, at, at Audi Field. Basically, I think this underscores that this was that the DC ownership is at least in the right. They're like, you're like, yes, Spirit, we want you here. Come on, we'll we'll, we'll figure out the field. We'll figure out everything else. Just we we want you here. And who knows what the the terms of that rent is and, and how that all works. But um, uh, if they complained about the field, all that the Spirit would have to say was, you let a football team play here <laughs> exactly for a whole season. So shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it, and this is not nothing new. Apparently, um, if there there was rumors when the breakers were existing in boston that if the new england revolution team got a stadium the breakers would not allow to be played there they would not negotiate for any you know any salary it just it 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 doesn't make sense i get you know there's market compatibility you know competitiveness and and all those things but this is the point this, this this makes zero sense as to why you would not want to support support a local team that's not playing in the same league that's a you know a different entity altogether is not really directly competing with you. And if anything is working in cognizant with you, because someone going to a, um, a KC NWSL game might have a great time said, Hey, Hey, look, there's a sporting KC game. Let me check that out. And Hey, that was a fun time too. And then, you know, you've got two fans that you just, you know, a fan of two teams you just built. So it just, it just doesn't make sense. I, I don't understand that sort of frosty relationship. Uh, maybe there's more to it than I think. Uh, the, the one thing to think about it is annoying to try to create a schedule where you have another tenant that's a consideration uh, into like what when you can play home games. So that's the only thing. That's like if you were if you were co-sharing with an NFL team and you were working with the league to figure out what good weekends you could get. Here's the thing, though: um, if you are the mate, the primary tenant of the stadium, you can just say, "Our." Our schedule preferences outweigh yours. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to do what we want, and you get you can play on Wednesdays. We don't care, but but we're getting what we want out of this deal. So I, even if that was the excuse, it's pretty pretty weak. Yeah, no, it's absolutely weak. I'm sorry, but that's you know, and, and someone pointed out they they've let high school lacrosse teams you know onto that field. So I mean, it's it's just it, it just it, it reeks of just it's awful. I'm sorry, it's bad, and it should change. I hope it. I hope it does change. I hope there is enough groundswell there there are a lot of passionate kansas city fans out there that i think will come out and support this team um kansas city is a is a great soccer market and it can be a great soccer market i know there wasn't wasn't a whole lot um there wasn't a whole lot with uh with i think with support for the previous team that came out there but that was a sort of a different era now it's sort of you know you lose it and then it comes back and suddenly it's the hot new ticket um, right and, the, and the, the supporter group still exists and and they had a comment um when the when the league when the announcement came out so mm-hmm. um i and like you said I, th- I think it's interesting that the league is already giving utah fans sort of a, a lifeline saying it's entirely possible in two years is it two years 2022 2022. Yep. That we could re-give, we could restart the franchise here with the same name. Um, I think that's that's the great thing about being a league that's so small is that there's so much room to mm-hmm. grow without really making anything uncompetitive or unbalanced. So that's the. It, it could it could be a, a San Jose a San Jose situation. They moved to Houston and then two years I think it was very very soon two years later they were back in. In San Jose, once they had an ownership, once they had a stadium, they were working towards. Um, who's so. uh, who's the Chris Wondolowski in this situation with the uh, San Jose to Houston to back to San Jose? It's got to be somebody. Well, they uh, traded all they traded all of their mark. I mean, all it, of their marquee names are gone now, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think pretty much everybody, anyone who didn't want to move to KC. So, um, well, uh, it's going to be something to watch next year. We'll see what the name is. I mean, yes, I guess FC K- K- Kansas City is a bit of a brand, but can we please Kansas City Royals? <laughs> there's no, there's no team that also exists already in the Major League Baseball with that name. So I yeah. think they're clear. They should give that a go. Oh, we, we want, do we want to talk about Montreal and Montreal FC? Oh, sorry, say FC Kansas City just 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 brought that, just triggered that. Sure. That part of the notion of it that it's is going to be quick. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be quick. It's awful. There we go. All right, <laughs> move on. <laughs> they want to get well for for those who do not live on Twitter like we do. Uh, Montreal is is examining. I'm not sure if it's if it's if it's a done deal or you know for sure gonna happen. But they wanted to change their name to I believe was it Montreal FC or FC Montreal. Uh, either way, it's bad. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so we everyone was saying basically like, you know, you have some brand equity. You have something that this is the team that's been in existence prior to MLS it was in USL um it's got it's you know has a long history and also has like you know it's like a little 
um, you know, it's got some character to it, right? It's not it's not one of the typical names that exist, and they think that there's business advantage to rebranding, and I think that we should tell them that no, there's not. Look no further than the Chicago Fire for how much value there is in a rebrand, and they're already changing it back. We're changing it to something else, so... Yeah, they're already they're reverting. Well, they didn't change their name. They kept their name the same. Everything which is else good. changed. The colors, yeah, they the just, badge, the uniforms. And and full credit to them for for admitting that. I hope this is a situation where they walk this back. Um, that they say, oh, never mind. We'll we'll keep it the same. I, I think I think the badge, the the Montreal Impact badge, could do with a refresh. I think it is still it, it's aged a little bit. I want I don't want to say a little bit poorly. Um, I think it's a little. A lot of badges are going for simplicity, and sometimes that can be a good thing. Um, you know, kind of decluttering a little bit of the badge. I think that's a badge that could do with a little bit streamlining. But I mean, the name the name's unique, and and it's just. I think it's also the fact that we've just been inundated with all of these, um, all these FC, you know, FC Austin FC, Charlotte FC, Nashville all, FC, Nashville Nashville SC. Oh, which so even, yeah, we, even cooler. <laughs> so i mean we've been we've just been inundated with all of these boring names it's just like another one it's just like piling on and I'm glad they on keep doing team. it they keep doing it it's like they people say this is bad and they keep doing it so that reminds me uh a tweet that uh, that appeared quickly and then disappeared like a like a snow like a snowflake in the summer <laughs> uh pablo mauer from the athletic mentioned that he had heard at high levels that a rebrand was being talked about at DC United in the last couple of years. No further, no further context. He didn't get back into it and go any further. Clearly, uh, it's not you know it's not it's not full. I would be astonished if it happened. Uh, but I think the reaction generally, particularly changing the, I think there are some people who still hate the badge. We're many years on at this point, or uh, quite a few it's years fun. on, and some people don't. I, I like it obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, the name is non-negotiable. Like yeah. We're not we're not changing that, and we will be obstinate in in the face of any change that the front office tries to do. I I don't I don't know how you can do that. I really don't. How can you change the name? How can you do that when the name has attached to so many trophies, so many like a badge refresh? I could see because you're right. There are a lot of people that do not like that badge. Um, I thought it was a nice, easy refresh. Uh, maybe the the eagle coming out of the badge was a little bit okay, but I mean, overall, I think it's a solid badge. I I I I did not. I still do not understand the hate that this badge gets because I think it's just they just they just gave it a little bit of a of a fresh coat of paint, did some different things with it, and I think it looks. Uh, it still it still has the spirit. Like you would look at the badge and you would say, yeah, that's a DC United badge, um, not something completely crazy and out of the water, but. Um, but yeah, um, all right, so you guys are wondering why we haven't talked coaching. Like I said, we got Mark Fishkin coming up next. Uh, stick around and listen to the RP Refugees podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RP Refugees podcast. Today we are joined by a special guest, uh, a man who may who may be secretly laughing at us as, we, as we're about to discuss something. Uh, Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red NY. Mark, how are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm great. It's great to see you. Yes. As well as uh, be speaking with you guys tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I'm going to trust you are going to be completely honest in your assessment today. You are not going to try to troll a rival team, right? No. We can we can trust that. No, I I think you guys deserve the unfiltered truth about <laughs> what may about that uh, you know may that be about to happen with you guys. Okay, fair enough. There you go. There we go. People, he's going to give us the truth. He's not going to. Uh, he's not going to say. He's I'm not going to compare him to Guardiola. For <laughs> that will not be. That will not likely be where we start with this. But we will find out shortly. So we uh, want to set it up, Ted. Yeah, let's set it up. Um, so for those of you who haven't been paying attention, the latest report uh, from Stephen Golf over at the Washington Post uh, has said that uh, Chris Armas, former coach of the New York Red Bulls, who was let go last year after a uh, strike from the Estonian uh, Messi. Uh, is going to potentially be the next coach of DC United. So we brought Mark on. Uh, Mark, I guess sort of start. When when Chris Armas was let go, were you pro that move or were you like he didn't get enough attention? Because that seems to be either people are like he was bad, he deserved to go, or ah, he wasn't really given a, a fair opportunity or a fair shot. Where, where no. did you sort of fall when, when he was let go? Yeah, no, I think he, he definitely was given a fair shot. Um Armas took over for Jesse Marsh in the summer of 2018. 
um, actually improved on Marsh's point-per-game record over his half-season as head coach of the Red Bulls, which was his first head coaching position at the pro level. Um, famously decided to change the Red Bulls' tactic in the first leg of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals and allowed um, Atlanta to score three goals in that game. It was a really bad 20 minutes, and that really was it. And that, that 2018 team at the time was the best regular season in MLS history until LAFC bested them a year later. Then 2019 was a very uncharacteristic year for New York, uh, definitely through the lens of the Red Bull Arena effort, uh, record uh, era. The, the team just had trouble scoring goals. They, they were 500 team. And by the time he was shown the door in 2020, New York didn't really show a whole lot of fight or understanding of how to score goals or, or much less win games. Um, from the end of the MLS's back uh, tournament through the first few games of the restart, the team won only once over seven matches. They did not score a lot of goals. And there wasn't a whole lot of trust that things were going to get better, um, frankly. And so I think the fact that Bradley Carnell was able to come in, lift the team's point per game, get them out of the play-in match for this year's playoffs. And yes, they they wound up eventually falling under new coach Gerhard Struber. I, I think the notion was, yeah, it, it was pretty much time for Armis. And our new head of sport, Kevin Thelwell, gave him plenty of rope to hang himself with. And, and he eventually did. It's just the results weren't there. So weird. A team, uh, the results weren't there, and a team took action in yes. two years versus 10, 10 years. Well, okay. So let's let's talk about some similarities and some differences. Sure. So the DC United fan base has been torn asunder. It has been internally tearing itself apart about Ben Olsen for the better part of, let's say, six years. I think that there was a time at the beginning where we were giving him this long sort of runway. We're not competitive. We're an RFK. Who cares? It's just we're bad. And then it... Happened to pull two uh, pretty pretty great seasons. They're not great, pretty decent seasons uh, by by DC United standards. At the end of it, the conversation broke down into two groups. One saying Ben Olson was the victim of a disinvestment of a of a of a, t- of a team that never invested in the way that it should have in their uh, in their roster, in scouting, in the academy, in a bunch of different areas, and that cost him. And then there's the other side of the equation that said that there has been a a poverty of tactics and an inability to change and an inability to read the game and say, this is what we need to do differently. We have to we have to adjust to our opponent. We have to make in-game changes. Um, I think that it's uh, I think a coaching is sort of a Rorschach test with a lot of fans where they read into it what they what they want to see as far as tactics go as far as the uh, coach's ability to do so so i feel like in the, in the conversations that i've heard about chris armis some of that is some of those things are similar as far as where red bull's level of investment was post the sale of tyler adams um and then also sort of like you know how his idea to make a team that could play multiple ways how that actually worked with the roster that he had and the outcome so tell me why in an optimistic case why this could be different well, I mean, I'd like to think that Armis will have looked at himself and really questioned, well, what, why didn't it work out? And hopefully has thought about the way that he approached games and attempted to, to you know, to improve upon himself. I mean, listen, n- no one is Jesse Marsh, right? And when you think about the way that Marsh communicated, not only to his team, but also to the press and also to the yep. fans, all the support is a very eloquent guy. I'm not saying that Chris Armis is not an eloquent guy. I'm saying that having to follow Marsh was really, really difficult, I, I believe. Um, I, in many ways, Armis coached games the way that he played. And some of mm. your listeners may not remember him, uh, for those great L.A. and then Chicago teams of the early days of MLS. But he was a hard-nosed central defensive mid 
and did the dirty work. And he loved a one nothing match a lot more than a 4-1 blowout, or at least that's how it appeared. Did he say grit a lot by any chance in sort of post game? Uh, you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm I can see this the, the, the little smile you have going on. Um, I'm not going to say grit is, is came out of his mouth. It was a touchdown of his, but I think there's definitely something to the idea of trying to play a different way. Um, he, you know, given his experiences coming up short in the postseason with the Red Bulls under Marsh, I think that the the desire for a plan B, an effective plan B, was something that was a multi-year project for Armas. Uh, at the same time, as you had mentioned, the club went from not just Tyler Adams, but Tyler and, I mean, you can go further back, Tyler and Sasha and Felipe, who you know, obviously, and Robles and BWP and Taxi Lawrence and Mario, I mean, l- literally half the 2018 team was still here in 2020. And and the players that were added to the team were a very Red Bullsian mix of RB2 players, um, relatively unknown Europeans, um, uh, a spicy South American, in our case, Kaku, who hasn't I think ever really been the guy that we would have hoped in case in point is LRI on right now, what he's doing with Columbus. So, you know, the, the, the club took Armis's better toys away and said, do better. Uh, and he didn't. And that's not necessarily an indictment of him, but you really got the sense, especially late. I mean, I mean the game that was the, the, uh, nail in the coffin for him was this was the late Sorga goal that was his last goal that was his last match as as um as Red Bulls head coach and you consider that New York I mean you could say what you want it was a magic moment for Sorga and you know uh, 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 well we'll 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 gladly uh you know a account for the fact that there was many deflections b (laughs) so right the point was that the Red Bulls should not have lost that game um they had no business losing the game in the 95th minute and the team just wasn't able to score goals very often, and it made it very, very hard for Thelwell to keep him. One, one thing, I guess, one frustration uh, I had with Ben, and I think a lot of fans had with Ben, uh, was sort of he had he had this ability where if he, if he didn't if you if you didn't play. He didn't trust you. You needed to play for it. Was a very odd like paradox of like, especially with young players. Um, he would very, very much like maybe throw out a young player in like the ninety fifth minute in like a game. What you know, obviously the rebels have have done probably one of the best jobs of sort of developing and bringing up young talent. Yeah. Uh, does he still, at the very least, sort of fit into that mold where he's going to give you know a young player plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities? And and I say that because DC's got a lot of good young talent now. That's yeah. apparent. That's looking like it's coming through the coming through the fold. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, that directive comes from the top, right? Mm-hmm. And. Certainly, they were guys that you could argue were armist guys, but in a program where building from the homegrowns, developing talent, and hopefully moving them along as MLS evolves into a real selling league, you know whether it was whether it was Adams, who you know for my money was a generational player that the likes of which we're not going to see too too often. Oh, there's Caden Clark. Yeah, we might see that from him as well. Um, but you know, in general, I would say yes. If, if the ethos of the team is we're not going to break the bank, we're not going to blow anyone away with, with our player acquisitions, we're going to need to bring, you know, the Sorgas along or the Paredes along or you know, any of the, the young uh, talent that you guys are developing, I would absolutely equivocally say that they're going to get minutes. Um, you know, principally because that, that hopefully is, is the mission of the entire organization. Hopefully, we hope so. <laughs> yeah. What? So let's talk about. Uh, you mentioned it, sort of, about how good Jesse Marsh was with the media and with fans. Um, I would say Ben Olson had. Ben Olson only broke into the national news with press when he would just get really Ordered. crabby. Yeah. Uh, and, and that happened 
more often than I think normal coaches do because he just had such an extended run of just like grinding, not sadness, but just like just just stress all the time. He was just he 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 felt like and seemed like he had a cloud above his head for the better part of the ten years. So and it, and it, and it showed sometimes when he was. Uh, being told questions. And I think one thing I talked about on the show a lot is that I think that he did not get credit, whatever credit he was due for his ideas about tactics or formations or any about the game in general, he did not get the benefit of it because he didn't communicate in a way that sort of belied his intelligence. It was sort of just like, you know, we're going to try hard and, you know, we just throw him out there. And we, he was giving sort of credit to the players for doing well and never sort of taking credit when something he wanted to have happen happen, and I think that I think that sort of you know it's it's a it's a self reinforcing situation. How, so to say all that, what is Chris Armas like in the media? What is Chris Armas like as far as understanding how the fans have to feel about the club and, and him? Yeah, I mean Armas is a real Bob Bradley guy in the sense that the notion of inside the club we think this, outside the club it mm. may appear this. He, he was big on that, especially when things were going not so well for the club. Listen, we're doing great. We're, I mean, yes, we're working hard as a, obviously a trope, but I believe that he genuinely believed that, you know, through hard work, through, uh, you know, turning coal into diamonds, he was going to be able to create a team that the fans were going to be proud of. Um, there was a lot, there not a lot, but there was certainly some of, you don't know what's going on mm. inside. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, antagonistic. It was like, well, I would, you know, yes, people can say that, but on the inside, we're feeling X, right? So it was, hey, you guys haven't scored in four games. What's going <laughs> on? Listen, our guys are getting their minutes, and inside, we're really confident in our players, and, you know, we know... You should see us finish in practice. What? You should see us finish in practice. Well, we're, I, I mean, we never say anything like that. I mean, another no. thing, and listen, I like Chris Armas a lot. I think that... With more seasoning, he will be a good and long-lived head coach in this league. Um, he's willing to learn. I mean, again, another trope, but like, I don't believe anyone worked harder. He drove all the way from where he lived on Long Island to Jersey every day at some ungodly hour. And you know, I, I don't have a Beltway area. You He'll know. get practice when we when we establish our our facility out in Loudon. If he lives in D.C., he will get. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say completely similar drive, but certainly not much of a better one. No, okay, all right. Many bridges, many tunnels. In any, in any case, <laughs> um, the fact he had a tendency of speaking in sentence fragments that one got the notion that it was a little bit of stream of consciousness and. Mm. It didn't serve him terribly well, especially given the eloquence of Marsh, who would be like, so Jesse, and then eight minutes later, you'd get <laughs> to talk again because he would wax, wax, uh, wax rhapsodic about a player, an opponent, a style, uh, you know, 18th century Russian literature, really whatever he was going to be talking about that day. For Armis, it was a lot of starting and stopping all over the place look things are good and we're gonna it's gonna happen and and again i don't begrudge armis because he had a really tough act to follow but for a fan base who was accustomed to listen the team won three shields between 2013 and 2018 um one of them under armis one of them under marsh and one of them under petke but I think the Marsh years really will be remembered as the zenith of this team. It, it can't be argued. And so as the team slid toward mediocrity and say what you want about a 500 record, it's mediocre. Um, the last two seasons, the club has really been trading water. And he took the brunt of it uh, and it cost him his job. So, so what you're saying is that we're not going to hear like 
post season like interviews where uh Armis is going to talk about what he watched on the National Geographic channel is what you're saying. We're not going to we're not going to get any of those types of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yes, I uh, know. This is it's going to be about the team. Um, he is, uh, an eager, hardworking guy, uh, that I hope with added, added years of experience, he will be successful. No Eric Cantona with, when the seagulls follow the trawler, (laughs) none of that. Um, all right. So you, you, you know, you're obviously your expertise is, is in the Red Bulls, but I think by default, when you're a Red Bulls expert, DC is sort of like, it's like criminal criminology, like you're paying attention, you know, what's going on. So knowing knowing this team, knowing the, the the roster it has, understanding the budgetary constraints that exist, probably across most of the league, but apparently acutely here, what do you what do you see as the ceiling of this team? Again, we don't know. There could be changes. Chris Armas is not confirmed confirmed, but he's certainly once 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 the the, the people who ran with it have run with it. It's it's sort of looking. It's as close to a fait accompli as it can be. But anyway, if this happens, if it goes through, what do you see? Uh, uh, either the ceiling with this team, the floor with Chris Armas, and then also like how long you think he could stick around where you, how you think it'll actually go. Well, listen, I mean, you guys put up with Olsen for more than a decade, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, so he's got that equity built up, right? Like he had that, he had that name equity. He, he, tr- he spent it all down. Like he spent those and that was all that playing years equity down over the 10 years, but Armas has none of that. He actually has negative equity coming from where he's coming from. Right. Uh, I would like him to be successful because, as I said, I believe that he can be a good coach. I believe he he is a good coach. I feel badly for how things went for him. It was, you know, as I had said earlier, it was as if they kept taking quality toys away and, um, you know, replacing them with toys from Radio Shack. Radio Shack is a store that no longer exists for you. Younger, <laughs> we used to say growing up that your parents get you get holiday gifts from Radio Shack if they don't love you. But um, it, it, I mean, listen, I'm 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 looking at your roster right now, and there are quality pieces to this mm-hmm. roster. And in fact, there were a number of times when we played you guys that we were over the last little while that we wondered why the team wasn't doing better, and perhaps just the answer was Olsen had lost them, but. I mean, this is this is not a bad team at all. I would expect, I would expect you 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 know the possibility of coming out of the box fast, including if there's a couple of new uh, halfway decent signings. I mean, I mean Ariola, a healthy Ariola and Assad and Canaus and Gressel, and I mean Yui Segura and Paredes if he continues to move on and Ola Kamara and Reina. I mean that that is a quality team. That is attacking talent going forward. The real question is is Armis going to be able to release the hounds truly because he does love his one his 1-0 victories. Um I I think you're going to need some some more spice on the back line for sure. Uh because I think Burnbound seen better days and I mean Frederick Briant I mean sees BWP in his nightmares still. Um, we were in the house for his hundredth goal. It was one of the magic moments of my entire MLS fandom. Um, Mora, Donovan Pines. I mean, it's a young and coming team with some parts that are older and I think probably could, could, uh, be kicked to the curb. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason in an East where 400 teams will make the playoffs. (laughs) DC United with this, with this roster as it is right now, they should at least be contending for a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I think to, to your credit, we saw that when Ashton took over and just said, all right, I, I'm going to do the very, very simple thing of just playing guys in their natural positions, implement a simple game plan and we're going to run with it. And it it very nearly carried them into the playoffs. They were uh, they were like a, they were at the foot of the table. If you watch that cool graph where they show the the icons where they are right. throughout the season, yeah. we were at the we were on the floor. For most of the season, and then Ashton took over, and it started to we started to see steps up, <laughs> the step up. But and we, unfortunately, we didn't we didn't end there. But so you're so you're saying so that would not be the ceiling. You think that's just the baseline with this roster and with an average Armis, what you think he would he can he can do playoffs is the is a is a reasonable expectation. Absolutely, absolutely. 
and 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 with the hope that there will be some defensive reinforcements coming in. You definitely have enough talent going forward. Um, you know, and as long as Hamid doesn't have to play the Red Bulls eight times a year, you, know, <laughs> you guys will be in great shape. All right, Mark. Thank you so, so much for joining us, giving us that perspective. Um, it's always awesome to have you on the show. Uh, you can tell I, – I, I'm not going to promise that people are going to flock to listen to, to your podcast. That's okay. It's a large crossover audience. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Both si- on both sides, I'm sure. Not so much. Yes, but you you can find Mark at Seeing Red. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you, it's always a pleasure, my friend, and uh, hopefully – once the COVID crazy times end, I'll, I'll make it up to a game, another game at Red Bull Arena. Uh, that safe. has been a while. Yes, it has been. Safe, healthy, and happy holidays and New Year's to you guys. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right, guys, uh, stick around. We're going to come back. We're going to kind of rev up the show. So stick around. You're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Welcome back to the RQ Refugees podcast here to close out the show. Uh, it's our first three segment show. Yeah, man, it's been, a, it's been a marathon. It's been a little bit of a marathon, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Should have stretched. But yeah, but I, I think Mark, uh, I think Mark, Mark, it was very interesting. I was listening to his interview. I was trying to say, I was trying to assess if my opinion on this Armist trade has changed. And I think it's, there's a lot of things that get me worried. It, it's a lot of similarities to Ben, I think, is is, is what worries mm-hmm. me. There's a lot of things, a lot of the, you know, the, the grit, hard work, you know, you don't know what this is like. The inability maybe to express himself and what he's trying to do. I think you picked up on, and I think you're correct about that. Ben suffered from that. So it made it seem like he didn't know what he was doing. Um, yep. I don't know. It's, 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 I, I said from the beginning that yeah, I think there's always been, there's kind of been this whole, like, Oh, we might as well just keep Ashton. Um, I don't fall into that. I fall into the, I think this team could do with some, someone from the outside coming in to give a different idea. If you stick with Ashton, you're getting the same perspective that's been there. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that move. Maybe you still feel the same, John. Um, I think, I think his answer about what he expects of, of, of Armis, which would be to make the playoffs. Um, that's good. We want to make the playoffs. I feel like that is table stakes for this roster and also what we thought Olsen yeah. could get us. We didn't think Olsen could win us anything, necessarily, with this roster, but we said playoffs are a minimum. And, that, and in fact, we said a, a first-round win is the, t- is the bare minimum for us not to say it's time to move on from him. Obviously, yeah. we didn't get didn't that. Didn't get close. <laughs> um, I do th- we did not get close. Um, I do think that uh, DC United fans are in for more of the same as far as where we're going to be. We're going to live around that playoff line. We're going to live around that want maybe, maybe win a play in game, maybe get lucky in a first round, but probably not situation. I think that's, I don't think that changes. That's more down to the roster than the coaching. I think, I think, I think Mark sort of laid it out for us from the, from the perspective of a, of a, of an opposition fan is if you look at this list of mm-hmm. players, it's fine. It's impressive. It's good. You should you should make the playoffs. You maybe shouldn't win MLS Cup, but you should at least make the playoffs. I think depth is still a challenge, but I, w- I just want to say that you would have to spend, I think, either a lot of money on a coach that, that can wring every single ounce of skill out of these players to make them perform even better than what we were talking about, or you have to just get really lucky with a with a new with I would say with a coach with a new way of thinking, like an assistant that has a that has never done this before and is going to really bring something fresh to the table. I think by going with a with a coach who, from external perspective, has a lot of similarities with Ben, and in, in, in as far as the way he carries himself publicly, maybe within the team. Um, and, and also is going to have a very similar sort of budget to build from, I think you can't expect anything else other than just sort of where you've been. Just sort of yeah, right and, down and I think, you know, our, we have a very decent roster, and I think I think that has kind of, that, that, that kind of has played into the, let's get a guy with MLS experience, let's get a, let's get a plug-in, sort of a plug-in coach, a guy that we can just plug in. He, he's not going to be, you know, trying to, to figure his way or, you know, figure out what he wants to do. He knows MLS, he knows, you know, the league, he, he watches the league. Not that um, Gonzalo Pineda and Ezra Henderson don't do that, but, I mean, I think that's sort of the notion of we've got a lot of guys who are under contract. Uh, th- this isn't a moment for a coach that we can say, okay, you know, we're starting a long rebuild, 
you know, you bring in a Pineda or an Ezra Hendrickson. This is a guy, nope, we, you know, you're not going to get a lot of say in, in who, who we choose because we've already got the roster um, kind, of, kind of completed and in there. Um, I, I did... I did think he made a good point. I did ask him, you know, one thing I wanted to say is, you know, is Armas going to be a guy who's going to basically let Pene, uh, you know, let Perez, let uh, uh, um, the Pines, Pines Griffin Yao, um, all those players kind of just, you know, waste away on the bench, like 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 Ben did. Like I think Ben did. I think Ben let a lot of those guys go to waste, and it wasn't until he was so desperate because of injuries that he actually got those guys to play. Um, and I thought it was at least encouraging that you know he comes from he comes from a from a Red Bull team that did that type of thing. So if he has any say, I hope that is the say of hey these guys are good. You know let's let's get them out there and let, let's get them minutes. Um, I think I think that's mostly what I want I over the say- next few years. I want to see some of this some of this yeah some of this youth development. I want what Philly has. I want it so bad. I think Mark Mark's point to the fact that that is a that's a club directive. I think is I think is a well well, yeah, uh, good point. <laughs> a well well articulated point. I think that the challenge here is Chris Armas is going to be from the start fighting for his job. I don't think they're going to give him a four year contract. They shouldn't. If they do, I think we need to socially distance, stand outside the the offices. Now, now watch it watch it um, not be Chris but, Armas with all this talk we're doing. But I I think <laughs> that's fine. You know, that's great. Then if that's then we did it. Mission accomplished banner. Uh, but if, if if that is the case, I feel like there could be a tendency to go towards more experienced players if you're knowing that you don't have mm-hmm. a long rope here. You've got a year and a half to, to prove it. Um, now they could say as a condition of hiring, we would like to see Moses Nyman start yeah. half the games. We would like to see Kevin Paredes start half the games, and um, and maybe that's that's the, I mean that's the leverage you have when you are hiring a guy who just got fired and isn't having a lot of bites. You can basically be like, here are the terms. Do you accept at, the terms? At the very least, I think the biggest the biggest gripe I had against Ben was that he wasn't even allowing he wasn't giving these guys even an opportunity to show it, other than maybe some spot starts here and there or some spot appearances, you know, late in games. You know, it's fine to be like, hey, you know, experience these these guys are experienced. They're going to go first, but then you know, hey, let's see what Kevin maybe Kevin Paredes can give you a change of pace. I, I think the talent level of the young players is high enough. Moses Diamond, in my opinion, has earned some some serious consideration. He looked really good, and and not playing him is going to stunt that growth. And I think Paredes also showed a lot. Uh, Yao did as well. So I mean, that, that's sort of the nature of the players. Also, have to be good enough to play. Um, and starting is you have to be good enough. Um, but I guess more the nature of just not even the appearances were, were, were frustrating. Um, so, and, and well, it's going to be interesting, you know, DC hasn't made a coaching decision. I think we've kind of resigned here on the show that it would probably be Armist. This would either look really smart or really dumb here. in I guess a couple weeks, listen, we'll yeah. just delete this show. There just won't <laughs> oh, have been sorry, an episode Mark, this week. <laughs> Mark, well, listen, he 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 also contributed to the to the to this, so I think he'd be yeah. fine with it disappearing. Either way, if this persists, you'll know that we actually yep. hired. All right, uh, I think, I, I, and I think too, like I think that this is we're yeah. gonna know here pretty soon. We're gonna know in the next week or yeah. so, I would imagine. I think you know, in in the end, I think you still you were right from the bat, sort of like, all right, win now. This is this is if this is what it is, this is what it is. And I think I, for the most part, you know, I was not. Uh, I would say Reddit, I would say Twitter was universally in the pitchfork mode. I'm going to stop my season tickets. If I had season tickets, I don't think I would stop them because of this necessarily. I think that this is extremely a DC United move. And while we all wanted we all wanted to believe the fantasy that we were going to go get a Man City coach and that we were going to unearth some magic money to, to, to add players and make this team competitive at the upper echelons of MLS, I think we have to be realistic about where we are. And understand that I, under, you know, if you don't want to pay for mediocrity, if you don't want to be a season ticket holder, a, a party to a, a team that aims for the for the bottom rung of the playoffs, I get that. Um, but nothing's changed. Uh, this is this. They are who we thought we were, and uh, they let us off the hook. We are we are we are still DC United uh, post the good the good times. And, and um, there are plenty there are plenty of coaches that have gone to situations that were bad. Adrian Heath, I thought Adrian Heath was the biggest donkey of a coach when he was in Orlando, and I thought it was going to continue his, when he went to Minnesota. He has, com- 
Although he is a donkey yeah. with the media still. That is <laughs> well, still, they, he is still you know, quite and, a donkey. And that, he, kind of, he kind of portrayed that, that image. I remember once like he was on a list of like best coaches in America, and I laughed. I thought, that's ridiculous. He, he's done – okay, yeah, he had a couple good seasons with the Orlando team in the USL. But other than that, he's done nothing to say that he should be anywhere close to, to being a, a, a decent manager. And now he's la- he's the one laughing because he's currently about to play in a, in a Western Conference final. Um, coming up with, with Minnesota, he's done wonders for that team, and he's still probably talking. He's still probably talking about the MLSsoccer.com <laughs> pundits. Yeah, so I mean, but the point to say is that you know coaches can change. I do not do not give up hope yet. Let's let's let you know again. You, you got if this is the guy, you got to be the chance. I, I am I am I am the Brad Pitt character in Moneyball. I am Billy Bean. Tapping the shoulder of the DC front office and saying this better work, and I'm not kidding. Except I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm not joking at this point. Um, so great movie, by the way. Great movie. I know. Movie I like a like. baseball movie. Shocker. Shocker. Weird. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it. Um, we'll be back probably once the coaching announcement. Maybe we, if it's if it's Armas, we might not be. We might just be. Here's the show. Here here are thoughts on Chris Armas. <laughs> well, I think I think you no. Know, what I would like to do is yeah. have a call in show. When yeah, that I think I think that's what we'll do. We'll probably have a lot. I, I think we will allow you to create the content for <laughs> Great. us. We'll just sort of sit here and open the phone lines and start drinking. Yeah, exactly. We'll All right, y'all. Thank y'all so, so much for listening. We'll catch you guys uh, once DC United announces the coach. Vamos. Vamos.